Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sample Hour. I'm very happy to have this guest back on. Um, I had him on right before I started the farm because I'd become an evangelist for his book in accounting uh, method or book. It's even more like a bookkeeping method too. Profit First. Um, it's just kind of a way to structure and run your business, which I, I don't think a lot of people do, even just talking to people at the farmer's market, since I'm such a proselytizing student of Profit First. Uh, he's also the author of Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, The Pumpkin Plan, and Surge, and he's got a new book coming out soon. Um, and Actually, well, two versions of Profit First. I've read both. Uh, Mr. Mike McCallowitz. Oh, you're also a podcast host and a slew of other things, well, Entrepreneur. Yeah, wow. I mean, you yeah. you you got you got uh, you got a lot of. I'm trying to be like you, Mike. So thanks for coming back on the <laughs> well, show, <laughs> Drew. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate this. Yeah, not a problem. Um, I wanted to actually have you back on because I wanted to talk to you about uh, kind of how me reading your books and applying, you know, just your your teachings and stuff in your books and kind of how I. Um, used your, I guess, I, I guess I'd call them philosophies and your experiences just from, you know, your own failures and successes to kind of shape my business and, and make it grow and make sure that it's sustainably growing and I'm still paying myself. Um, and I think that's, that's important. Um, and I've, I've listened to a bunch of your episodes too. So, um, but, uh, at, w when we first talked, I just listened to profit first and then I went on and listened to Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Pumpkin Plan, and and Surge, and uh, and those those are all super helpful, man. I mean, I, I think Profit First is definitely, I think, kind of the it's kind of the, the biggest game changer for most people. But um, so uh, I don't know. I don't. It's weird because I'm having you on as a guest, but I'm just gonna just talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, but I, I I have a lot of gratitude for you. So uh, I guess well, thank you. Yeah, so kind of to, to to stay in the spirit of profit first, and one thing I did, um, which all my listeners know, but so the first thing I did was figure out how I could get some highly skilled labor mm. to help me manage the farm. So, right. and and basically, and and at first I was calling him skilled labor, and it, and that's really just an understatement. I mean, he's pretty much designed most systems on my farm, and just I I couldn't really do the business, and I couldn't have grown without him. So. What I'd figured out how to do was leverage. Um, was basically I had to 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 make this work. I, I knew I could trade him housing and food for uh, for just basically for his hours that he's putting in. And mm -hmm. so I managed to do that because the biggest thing that I learned in toilet paper entrepreneur is you know you know make sure that you know you're keeping these expenses low, but also. Like you got to have out of the box thinking to to be successful in business, and I think you know learning to hustle was like the biggest thing for me. And I think I knew how to hustle, but until like I actually like unemployment ran out and I really got punched in the mouth with reality, then it was gut check time. So I was I was happy to be able to leverage my like just stuff that you taught me. So then that so so what I so I managed to do that, and I actually managed to um, leverage relationships with family to actually purchase my house because I couldn't have gotten approved um, because I didn't have a job. And if you are starting out in a business, banks don't want to touch you, as you're well aware of. Um, That's so, right. So I managed to do that, and I got a family mortgage at a, at a lower rate. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's actually recorded at the auditor's office and everything else like that, so it's official. It's nothing that, like, I actually have to go sort that out today um, just because a family member had passed away. And then... Um, so then what happened was in the season, like, I, I don't know if you remember, but I, I talked about like, not like, um, I, I had these ideas for crops, but I'm only on a 15th of an acre of farming. So I'd invested in some systems like my friend Curtis Stone, he, it's like a high rotation spin farming. And I, and I thought about managing these different plots of land. And then what, what kind of came when the rubber was hitting the road of where the money was being made, I really leveraged the pumpkin plant because it's like, well, what's paying me most? And at first it was my thought was I'm going to focus on grocery stores and I'm going to sell this lettuce that I have to grocery stores. But that's not going to be sustaining for me throughout the wintertime with small scale farming. So then we just doubled down on uh, microgreens. And now at this point I have just to kind of summarize, I have 14 restaurants. When I started, when the last time I talked to you, I just had one contact with one restaurant. And then basically just from 
doing what I said I was going to do and being consistent and asking questions and, and, and building relationships with chefs. I've just, most of my restaurants are from just relationships. I don't have a website. I don't have an email list. I, I, if I did, I, and I was getting too much business from that. I, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up. Like everything has been really all the growth, my growth in the business. I only would invest more money than that 35% when, um, if I knew for sure I had orders because like I had to invest in some infrastructure. And then, um, when I went to file for taxes at the end of the year, it was like, well, you actually don't owe us any taxes because you didn't make enough money. So that was a relief. So I just took that money that I had saved in my tax account and, and invested in necessary infrastructure that was going to start paying right away. So, um, yeah, so I, I don't, I, I, I want to have you on and actually talk. So I don't want to just talk at you for, <laughs> so we talk about your book, but just kind of summarize. So I went from one rat to, one restaurant that I was delivering to, to now I'm at 14 restaurants and I'm actually almost geared up to have it. So when I move my crops, my microgreen crops from outdoors to indoors, I'll have like my indoor growing space completely maxed out, hopefully, and only selling to restaurants. So I, I'm not going to lose any income in the wintertime like I did last year. So it, it's, um, and I'm pretty excited, man. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of myself, but also like, it's like, I'm, I'm not, overconfident like I, I i'm definitely very grateful and very aware that you know i i need to make sure that I'm, I'm not getting lazy and so now i'm just trying to work on how i can slowly replace myself in the business and and pay my farm manager more money and and so now i'm, I'm venturing off into make some money and partnering up with other people in real estate to make some money on like with with notes and maybe some wholesaling deals i love it yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm trying to gear up to be a, a an entrepreneur, and I don't want to just own a job. I want to I want to be I want to be like Mike McCallitz and have multiple businesses, <laughs> multiple streams of income, and and be able to use my experiences to help people. And, and so that's that's been so that's that's to catch you up to date. So that's what's been going on. That's wonderful. You know, it's, it's funny the um, the the multiple con- uh, sources of income or multiple streams of income. What I found as an author, it's interesting. Uh, it didn't happen in the beginning. Uh, you know, you have to hustle just like anything else. But over time, as as I've been very blessed, as the, as the books have become more recognized and more popular, that people, some people approach me and say, "Listen, I want you on part. I want you as part of the team. Uh, would you be a consultant to us or on our board of advisors? Because uh, I can bring." lots of business experience, but also even some degrees of exposure for these businesses. So it it offered me opportunities to get into things like manufacturing and augmented reality now into these different types of fields that I've never had access to. Uh, and there's power and diversity like that. It, just, just in the learning alone, I'm learning stuff in the manufacturing process that actually applies to augmented reality. And it's, it's really cool to have those multiple streams of income, not just for financial stability, but for your, I think, expansion of knowledge. Yeah. And I, I think too, just like for your lifestyle, like I think, you know, cause I'm in a, a mastermind group and I was, I was talking, I just actually got done with like this. Um, so I've been going to these workshops and I joined like my local, uh, real estate investor association. So it's, it's mm-hmm. Corey and it's run by a woman who's second generation real estate entrepreneur. And it's a lot of people that are coming through. I've been, I've, I've just been pretty blessed with networking and being able to like, being able to rely on my networking. And I've always used the podcast to network. Like it's, it, my numbers have dipped quite a bit because I was like, you know, I, I, I actually want to, I, you know, like the podcast for me is it's a good tool to be able to talk to people like you, but also to share my experiences. I think like for me, I think my podcast has always been powerful because I'm, I'm not just a talking head. Like I'm trying to actually go out there and do stuff in the world right. and make a difference. And so, um, you know, so, so one thing I was at this, uh, I was talking to, uh, my buddy Dave Peters, who I'm going to have on the show, he's a he's a landlord. I think he has like 42 properties, and um, and he was at the Note Summit, and and I think and it, and something I've, I've been learning from there is just staying. You know, it's like an old saying that I I heard it when I was in network marketing as a young man. And in order to stay turned on, you have to stay plugged in. And um, so you know, I always go to meetings, even if it doesn't apply to me, just because of who's in the room. Like I'm not there for the presenter, but I'm there to to get to know other people in the room so I can p- potentially pair up with them or work with them or learn from them. Um, and, and so one thing he was telling me though, is just, you know, 
making sure and, and something you were saying there was about your your lifestyle and what you're learning is making sure that like my personal life is staying together because the business is just I mean like I I'm, I became an entrepreneur for a lifestyle like I didn't want to punch a clock anymore and um do you, have you noticed that as an author like it's allowed you to 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 put a lot of things in perspective and because I know in your books and and I think that's why you wrote profit first in the first place was because it was your idea of what lifestyle was, I think, has radically changed. Am I correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I too, am an entrepreneur and uh, had the, the good fortune of, of building some businesses and selling some businesses. But throughout that process, there's a lot of grind behind the scenes. And, I, you know, even though it's very popular right now, you know, you need to hustle, you need to grind. I, I think <laughs> it only makes sense to a degree. I, I see business owners trapped within their business because they're not making persistent profits. They're working their butts off. And then the only way to make movement in the business is for them to work harder, to grind out harder. And uh, <clears throat> then it becomes so entrenched in us. It's a habit. And I know people who have been entrepreneurs for decades who are exhausted from their business, but know of no other way. So when I became an author, I, part of it, my hidden agenda has been to challenge my own perceptions of the way a business should run. I, I grew companies, but they weren't permanently, they weren't persistently profitable. They were, in fact, I was refinancing my house just to cover, you know, just to cover payrolls at times. And I also proudly wore the workaholic badge. You know, just, you know, so proud that if you said, if Drew, if you said, oh, you know, I, I only slept four hours last night, I was working so hard, I would try to find a way the next day for me to only sleep three hours to prove I could work harder. <laughs> like, it's this, insane competition around draining ourselves, the, the insane drain. So when I wrote Clockwork, my most recent book now, it was around this concept that hustle's a good thing and, and grinding's a good thing. I think that we should aspire to have a business that runs itself. I think we should aspire not to be doing the work, but designing the work to be done, to get other people and resources doing it. And uh, the best part of being an author and an entrepreneur is I started Clockwork six years ago, started writing it, and uh, it's been my most researched book. It's taken me the most time to write it. In fact, three years ago, I finished the first manuscript, and I read it. I'm like, this is trash. I had to tear up the whole thing and start again. Some of the concepts were great, but just, just didn't deliver on making the process simple. The best part, though, is testing it. So, you know, for six years, I've been testing this in my own business. Uh, and for, starting about three years ago, I started testing it with other companies. And so now we have uh, many case studies under our belt that this system works, that we don't have to grind it out. We don't have to be doing the work for our business. Any business can, can have the owner, you know, peel themselves out. And actually, I would say it's necessary for the owner to peel themselves out so that the business can run itself. Man, this is so fascinating, Mike. Because I, um, I have, I, I had no idea that that was your book was about. But I just had this feeling because uh, in Profit First, you harp so hard on owners getting back in their business and grinding and hustling. And then it's like because you have to kind of establish these systems, and even in your charts, it's like, well, you start out here, you're making less money, and then you slowly build, and then you start diverting incomes and different accounts. So you can pay people, but then at the same time, you have to have systems in place to replace yourself. And I think, you know, talking to Rich quite a bit, who's, who's you know, he's, he's essentially my, my business partner. Like, right. this business goes down the toilet without him here, and this business goes out down the toilet without me here. And it, I have a ton of knowledge in sales. He has a ton of knowledge in um, just cultivating plants and, and, and developing systems. Like, he's really good at designing and we're we're still trying to figure it out, but we're getting to the point with volume to where um, before we were we were running our issues are changing. So our issues went from okay, we have to have money to okay, well now we have to grow, we have to have infrastructure. And now that we're getting infrastructure and the infrastructure is going to be there, it's like okay, now we have to have people. Like we have to be able to replace ourselves with different things. Like I don't, I I don't think like I've been I've been trying to do the crappiest jobs on the farm. To stay motivated, to um, to to stay motivated to to make more money and replace myself, and so I could mm -hmm. pay somebody ten dollars an hour to clean microgreen trays or to 
to be there while I'm harvesting to carry trays up the stairs from my basement and dump them outside if they're in the basement or if I'm outside. And, um, and so I think there's like a, I think it's, it's interesting to where if you're, if you're bailing yourself out with profit first, you have to get back in your business and then it's like, you have to design. And it sounds like that's exactly what clockwork is, which, which makes me even more excited to read it is you have to have things in play to slowly be able to pull yourself out. So you don't own a job. And I think, you know, and, and that's what, and that's what I felt like with what you were saying is it's like, Man, it's like this is only going to grow if I'm hustling, but it's like okay, I can maintain these relationships. Where can I pull back? And how do I figure out where I can pull back? Exactly. And and you actually drew Sept on the key to successfully making a business run like clockwork. What it is is I was um prior to starting my uh writing process 6 years ago, I was doing research, read some of what I believe is arguably some of the best books written on this concept, one of my favorites is E-Myth, and the core concept is don't work in your business, work on your business. Uh, Gino Wickman has an amazing book called Traction. And as I'm researching it out, one thing that became a realization is that many of us call our relationship to our business a parent-child relationship. You know, I, sp- I sparked this farm. I birthed a farm, effectively. I am the parent, and if I can grow the farm to the right size, ultimately it will become equivalent of an adult, and that's when the business will start paying me back. So <clears throat> we we nourish the business, we we feed the business, we we protect the business, we do all these things in hopes that one day it will get its own legs. The reality is it, that moment never happens. There's no switch. It's not like one day you wake up and say, now the business is running itself. Now I'm out of the business. So that's what I found is most entrepreneurs understand they need to work on the business, but they're they're so entrenched in the in part, that's all they do. They're, they're doers, and that's what I talk about in clockwork, is we need to move from doing to designing. And designing is where we have a clear vision of where we want to take it, and we make tactical moves, strategic moves, uh, you know, on a regular basis to continue our organization in the path we want to take it. So clockwork, I don't use the parent-child relationship. In fact, I think that's a, a horrible analogy. I think we're actually conjoined twins. I think as the business goes, so do we. We share critical organs. We yeah. share a heart. We share legs. You know, if the business is having a bad month or week or, God forbid, bad year, our lives will have a bad month or week or year. Uh, or or verse, conversely, if, if we're struggling at home, so does the business. Th- we're conjoined. So the process is not this kind of switch over one day you wake up and now the business is feeding you back. It is a much more surgical separation. We have to disconnect uh, the lungs and the shared critical organs and the heart and and, and and separate the legs. So you have to do this very carefully uh, and over time, but deliberately. And one day, if you follow this process, and what I argue in clockwork is for most businesses that we did our case studies with um, and research and, and analyzed, it's a year and a half, maybe two years for a full separation from the business. It has to start today, but it's a small sequence of surgical steps that separates us. And then a year and a half or two from now, if you follow this process, the business is now running itself where you could literally, and this is actually one of the big declarations, you can take off for a month. You can go on vacation for a month, have a full digital disconnect, and the business will be running itself. Some people, let's say, let's say, say listen, this is my life. I love business. I am not saying that uh, you're gone from the business. You will always share a soul. That is not split. Simply, the business has its own independence. So you have the freedom now to do what you want, when you want in your life. And also, if you want to be in the business, you can insert yourself in a way that gives you joy. Maybe you don't like wiping or washing those microgreens. You know, maybe it's really the design of uh, an indoor space like you're looking to do. So you can do aquaponics or or, or whatever. Um, maybe that's design is what gives you the most thrill, the most joy, and, and you have the most talent in that. We need to allocate you to do that and have someone else wash the greens. And that can be done, but it can't be done overnight. We have to surgically, small steps, move our way to make that a reality. Absolutely. Yeah, I think ultimately my thinking is um, I'm kind of going on different things. Like I think, you know, the business can – the business could stay here in my home, but it gets kind of tricky when you have employees. I know there was this – it was, I heard him, this guy he was making amps and he was making, uh, he was in Akron, Ohio and he was making these cool, 
guitar amps and he had this uh these cool names for him and stuff and he for a long time ran the business out of his home and he my friend dean had him on his podcast and he talked about like how disgusting his his family his house's bathroom was because so many people were there and so many people (laughs) using it and then he finally like got to a point to where it's okay we can move it out of the house and i think you know I, uh, one thing I think that's helped me be successful is what I was willing to give up. Like I, I have a small house and I moved somebody in that 710 square feet. And I think, um, it's, I think it is going to get tricky, um, with having, you know, for me adding an, a, an employee, like starting with one and then being able to assign tasks that both Rich and I do to this person and being able to make sure I'm still growing the business enough and I can still cash flow it enough to pay them more to be able to pay them and pay rich and so and it was kind of like for me it's like man i'm the most expensive person in this business like i need to figure out how i can not pay me so much and i can start so i can start transitioning like in those charts and profit first to to get to get that smaller percentage um and so I, you know so that's that's kind of where i'm at and i'm and I, and i think and i and i totally get it and then eventually you know, if if it's to the point to where the demand for for what I'm doing is so high, or I just keep getting other chefs just keep referring me to more chefs, or or whatever, wherever the business starts to grow and I can kind of move to, you know, my the thought is eventually be able to move it out of my home and maybe maybe figure out a way to purchase a warehouse for at an extremely low rate, and then we can maybe make our own soil or, or whatever we decide to do. I mean, there's, we have, we have ideas now for it. So there's seeds planted, but you know, I, I think ultimately the most important is that I'm, I, I am starting to think about this. Like it is, it's only the second year. So it's, you know, so obviously I, I don't want to move to that too quickly. And I think so what, so for with clockwork, I mean, when is it like, should it, should it be a slow process? Yeah, it should, it should be a very deliberate process. It's interesting, uh, just back to your point, and I'll, I'll kind of walk you through the process, is uh, in the book, and I've asked people this too, I said, would you rather make $100 an hour or $10 an hour? And at face value, hopefully everyone says $100 an hour. Some people get confused already there and say, well, I, I think 10 I don't know. But when I, I said, well, I think $100 an hour is better. But then I say, what if you to make $100 an hour, it had to be your your effort, meaning that you had to work hard to make that a reality. And if you're tired or sick, the money stops. But what if the $10 an hour just appeared automatically? It just was plopped on the table in front of you. Now what would you rather have? And you know, some people still say $100 an hour. I mean, it is 10 times more than 10 bucks. It's, it's still significant. But then what if I said, the $100 an hour can never be grown because it's your effort. You can only work so much. But what if the $10 an hour could become $20 an hour or 40 or 50 on automatic or 100 or thousands on automatic? When does it become something that's more appealing? And you know, people give different numbers, but you know, $50 an hour, just think back drinking margaritas, and it just keeps on appearing, maybe that's the number. The, the reality in our business is that's the exact model that businesses produce. There's two ways to bring on income. It's through your own effort as a business owner or through the effort of others. So we can coordinate the effort of others and, and with one employee maybe making $10 an hour they're making their wage, wage too, but you're netting ten dollars an hour. Maybe two employees, you're now netting twenty. And, and I don't know if it's going to be that linear, but as the business scales, you make money on automatic. It requires us to move to this designing phase. So you may have to take a step back in salary because maybe right now you're paying yourself like a very high-paid employee and doing all the work. But so maybe you have to take a temporary setback in your salary. But I also think there needs to be a shift that we as owners of the business need to move to the most important demanding type of work, if you will. Um, while it's not physically demanding, it's the most important. And what that is is the thinking phase. Really strategically thinking, like what products am I selling that really make revenue? Why are restaurant owners referring me to other restaurant owners? And how do I seed that so it happens more frequently? Um, how, how do I move that process along? Because it's already happening on automatic. Why not automate that? I believe thinking is so critical uh, and yet so overlooked. It is easier, even though it feels harder, it's easier not to think. It's easier for us as owners to say, you know what, someone's got to wash the greens. I'm going to get back out there this morning and that's why I'm going to hustle hard. And we feel accomplished. 
But the thing is, that's another way, another day that we're yet distracted from actually considering how to get other people to do that, other resources to do it, to make better automated systems. I believe thinking is so important that we should appreciate one of the most famous statues ever is dedicated to this process. It's the thinker, the famous statue called the thinker. You know, here's a naked guy with his chin on his uh, his fist, just spending time pondering. You know, for many of us, when we're in the shower or whatever, we have that aha moment. Well, could you imagine instead of ten minutes under hot water, if you could spend ten hours a week thinking about your business, um, just pondering? Such great innovative ideas come from that, and then we can implement those in our business. To do this, we have to go through a sequence process. And and while I've, I I outlined seven very specific steps in Clockwork, I'll give you the quick summary. The overview is first you have to know where you stand. You have to do the basis. So what I do is I, you can just track your time on an hourly basis or even every minute as you're working through any day and sample for a week, you know, five or six days. Just track what you do. And then categorize it. Am I doing work or am I designing work? And there's other Ds in between. You, businesses will do, des, decide, delegate, or design. And I explain those in the book. But the two key ones are, are doing and delegating. I'm sorry, doing and designing. We want to move you to designing. Once you understand where your uh, relation is uh, to work, then we got to move you to that kind of thinker statue. We got to move you to designing. How we do this is by removing unnecessary work. It's shocking how much work businesses do that derive no benefit to the customer or are not profitable and are just done because that's the way we've always done it. The other thing is we have to start transferring systems. Like when you're doing a process, you know, to get someone else to do it, they need to know how to do it. And unfortunately, many businesses think that it's a development of SOPs, some documented systems, pictures, and so forth. Or they don't have the existing systems, so they got to create new systems. The reality is every small business, every system's already created. It's just in your, your head. We just need to extract it. And the beautiful thing with modern technology, you can simply record it. If you're doing stuff on the computer, you can use a screen capture software package to track it. Or if this is a physical movement or process you're doing with materials, you can film it with your smartphone. So it's easy to capture. And then you transfer that to someone else and say, do what that video shows you to do. And one little insight tip I found is once the person's doing it, you then make them do the next video teaching the same process because ultimately the best student is the teacher. So if they teach this process, they'll actually master it for themselves. Ultimately, the final stage we're getting to is is to take what we call the four-week vacation. This is the big declaration. Every business that's been through clockwork, uh, we ask to declare a four-week vacation. And what I'm saying, and I'm not saying like tomorrow, I'm saying like a year and a half, maybe two years out. But we need to put it on the map that we are disconnecting from the business. Um, <clears throat> and we have to be committed to this. So, you know, share this with loved ones, whoever's going to maybe go with you on vacation. And I'm not saying this is some grandiose, like, you got to spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, going to Mexico or something. You know, maybe you lock yourself up at home or maybe you visit family. I, that doesn't matter. What matters is you're disconnected from the office. And what happens is the day you declare that four-week vacation, and, and the reason it's four weeks, by the way, is most businesses experience all elements of its business within those monthly cycles. The minute you declare that, it's like, holy smokes, how am I going to pull this off? Yeah. I got to get other pe- people doing things. I, you know, I, I, I won't be here. And one of the business has you know, hard questions. Is the team empowered to take over and run this? Can that guy you know, there, the, the, the number one guy you have, that key support guy, can he really step up and run everything? Once we do that, um, we'll find where the weaknesses are, especially as we start approaching the four-week vacation. Maybe we go on short tests where we leave for a little bit and come back and see what broke and what didn't work and fix it. But once you take that four-week vacation, it's the true test of the business's own independence. And when a business can run itself, that allows you to shift a lot of time to the design work so that you can really elevate the business to the next level of performance and, and running efficiently, running on its own. Yeah, that's um, that's excellent. I think you know that's that's one thing that I think is both stressful for me and Rich is, um, especially I think on Rich's end because he does all the planting and he's constantly kind of changing it up to figure out the best way that we can get the best yields on these microgreens. And uh, him and I had a pretty intense conversation uh, two days ago just about like what would happen if something happened to Rich. Like I, 
there's no way I could jump in there and get the same amount of yields that he has. I mean, it, I felt so good to be able to give him a weekend off and not, and the farm didn't go to hell, but it was, it was on days that he wasn't planting. Um, or I, 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 I briefly went out of town to hang out with my buddy in Wyoming and Colorado. Um, and, and rich, rich did some deliveries for me, but we, we try to keep the, you know, the, the tasks on, um, within the, the business pretty, you know, divided. Rich does most of the work around you know, a lot of the farming work. And I do a lot of stuff with customers and I'll, I'll harvest and package and go to the farmer's markets and everything like that. So I think it's, you know, and I, and I've, and I've just been thinking like, okay, how do we take this to the next level? But man, just that little thing, man, if, if, if when Rich goes today and he plants, plants out all the trays, which can take up to about six or seven hours. Um, if we have that all recorded and then we, we can edit it down and just basically get like a few trays of, so then people can get the gist of it. And then I can go in there and do it and say, okay, this is how you do it. That would, that would make, that would give both of us just some, some leverage. So if he needed some time off, he could take it or I could take it. But then I like I just started thinking from there. But then it also lays a blueprint for okay. Now we plug somebody else in, and um, some it's, it's got me. The the point of me explaining this is just to say that this is getting me really excited because it's like <laughs> man, I've been looking for this because I I am trying to transition. Like I I'm trying to transition into just like what you were saying the hundred dollars an hour versus ten dollars an hour. You know I don't need as much money from the farm if I'm not putting as much time in. So if I can slowly replace these tasks with this and pay somebody ten dollars an hour to do them it's i'm okay um making less money if the business is still cash flowing and the business can still pay pay its bills and and then i don't you know i don't need a lot of money right now and it's like so right now i'm like kind of splitting time and i'm trying to be as efficient as possible learning what i can in real estate and just trying to to work as a team in real estate and help somebody else in their business and be a contractor, but leveraging my skill sets. And I think so that's, so I've been trying to like put these pieces together, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm super stoked because I feel like this is going to be exactly what my business needs. So thank you for, 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 for coming out with this right that right now, Mike. Oh, yeah, well, Hey, you know, my pleasure. You know, one of the things I want to challenge you on is you don't necessarily need to take a step back in money, but really what it is, I mean, it may happen for a short period of time. What it is, I think the more insidious or dangerous thing is some entrepreneurs say, you know what, I don't need to take as much. I'm going to put more into the business, more money. And that money kind of evaporates and it removes the lack of innovative discipline. Here's the irony. When a business has less money, you define better ways to get things done. You, you did it with Rich. I mean, you hired an amazing person and gave him something that satisfies his life needs, uh, you know, a house and, and um, food and all that stuff. That matched him. I think the easy answer always is to say, oh, if I could just pay someone a lot of money just to do this, it's the easy, but I think it's the lazy answer. I, I think there's ways, if you don't put more money into the business, but at the same time pull yourself out, It'll force the business to find ways to make it successful on its own, which, by the way, positions you then, as the business grows, to take home more money. Yeah, and that's the objective. Yeah, you know, I, I want I want you to have residual perpetual income from this business. Me as and well. And if yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, and that's and that's and that's. So I think that's like for me, that's been the the biggest. Uh, that's been like the biggest scary thing because it's like, you know, I, I do have more time now and I do, but it's like, you know, but I have to get right back. Like I'm going to go to Youngstown today and I'm going to spend some time with my family and visit my mom. You know, we just, we just lost, you know, my grandfather, you know, a few months mm. ago who was like, he was 85. He lived a good life, but you know, it's still hard. I mean, like we all knew it was coming, but you know, it's, it's oh my gosh, just because yeah. you know, it's coming doesn't mean it's just easy. And, uh, it's so, so there's, there's family transitioning, you know, there's roles in family transitioning. I think my role in my family is transitioning because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's, you know, I listened to my grandfather and he was very proud of me and always pushed me, which is why he helped me. So, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeking out knowledge. I'm seeking out how to kind of, you know, I like to say, be a ghost in the machine and, uh, not have to have a W2 and, and I can navigate my life fine. 
And um, and so so that that is my goal. And it's like, you know, how can I pay Rich more but still pay myself? And so I want to give him a larger percentage of the business, but I think I have to structure it in a way to where I'm not really I'm still not really missing out. And I think so. The, and, and so and I like this. I like I like this challenge, Mike, because I, I, I was thinking if the business is growing and I'm and I'm and and the, the revenues are growing and let's say i'm 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 doing less work but I, him and i have more time to think in about how it can grow and we can pay ourselves then that's exciting and and also too i mean it, it was one thing that i i've i've kind of been kicking around cuz i have a local mentor and he's been farming for 10 years like he didn't have the sales experience and he didn't have a rich starting out so you know, it, it, he had to he had to bootstrap a lot of stuff. But now, after ten years, he's not going to the farmers markets. He was telling me, you know, I haven't I haven't had to wash a tray in you know two years. I always pay. I, that's always something my employees do. And so, just learning from him. But he's out of. He went from a home into his warehouse, and he said the biggest thing he didn't plan for was with with the growth was you know now I have a lot more work but I'm making the same amount of money. And I think that's, you know, so that's what he's warned me about. And it's like, okay, so when I expand, how can I not do that? And how can I, how can I keep this going? And even if I do, how can I, at least, even if I'm making the same amount of money at first, you know, it's not a, it's not a bad thing to make the same amount of money. If I am giving other people jobs you know, giving, oh, yeah. and then also too doing less work. And I think, right. So, so I think it's, um, it's, it's making sure that when Rich and I are planning this and we do move this out, like now, you know, the, the, you know, being in like a, a, a distressed urban area, um, and doing what we're doing, it's kind of cool to see the neighbors changing, like a young couple just moved in. So what we are doing is changing the neighborhood. And I think that's another reason why I wanted to get into real estate and getting into wholesaling. Cause it's like, man, if I can, wholesale these vacant properties to to flippers i mean like real estates i mean obviously the the prices here isn't the same as like florida or new jersey but you know it, columbus ohio is a good city i mean it's it's a growing city it's gonna it's it's slated to just keep growing and people need like millennials especially they're starting to get it to an age where they are seeing the value in buying a home and 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 i don't and i think they're okay with smaller homes and i think it's the biggest thing too is like this area, the, the cost of homes is so much cheaper than just over the highway where it's like a, a hipper area and it's like, you know, it's hipster land and whatnot. But so it's like there's 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 potential where I live. And it's like, you know, so if I can learn how to wholesale and kind of flip this community and then, you know, and, and so I just think, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to think about how everything I'm doing is is making a difference in my community and making a difference, but also, too, that I can pay myself. And I think that's the most important thing, and I think that I love most about your books is, you know, pay yourself. You know, don't don't work for free. Like, you're not... Nobody likes to work for free. Even if it's your business, like, you're, you're going to hate your business if you work for free at it. Like, we we all want to make... it. It's just the system that we're in. So I... um. So I guess all that rambling was just to say that I'm really excited, Mike. And I'm like, and so like you're, this this is a, a much needed conversation. I think it's going to be a much needed book for me to read. Well, you know, one thing you said that I really liked, Drew, is uh, I'm sorry about your grandpa's passing. I love that you can you know spend time with your mom uh, and help her through this and help yeah. her family through it. I, I think that is the power of entrepreneurship. That is what we dream about is this freedom of time. And I think, sadly, most entrepreneurs don't have it. I, you know, we start our business typically for two things: for financial freedom. We don't want to worry about money. We want to be providers for ourselves, our family, our community, and we also want the freedom of time. We we want to be able to be there for the people who need us uh, to experience life on our terms. The, the sad reality for most entrepreneurs is no money. Uh, it's check to check survival. It's pure panic. That's why I wrote Profit First to solve that problem. But I think the greater, more insidious problem is no time. You know, we we miss out. I've you know young children now who are, have become adult children and uh, missed out the, on the soccer games and stuff. And I don't look back saying, "Oh, what was I doing that day for work that was so important?" All I remember is I wasn't at yet another soccer game. Um, and I, I drew the line in the sand. I'm like, I'm not going to allow this to happen to myself anymore or anyone else. Yeah, we need to be able to be there at the, you know, at the end, our final breath is never going to be, I should have worked more. 
our final breath is how we contributed to society. Did we love other people or we loved? And our business is a platform to enable that. It's, it's sad that it's become a trap for so many people and prevents that. The, the idea of clockwork is to remove us from that trap and, and, and do what you're doing. Uh, but I think we can win it both, too. I think we can have the freedom of time and the freedom of uh, finances. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think it has to be a trade-off. And I think that's sad that, that some people feel that. Like, if you want to do what you want when you want – you just got to live without, and I don't think that's true either. No, and and that's the thing. Like, I, I have a good buddy, and we when we we both started farming around the same time. He was a little bit ahead. He's got some more land, but he also has he had more bills. And I think that was the thing. Like the last time him and I talked, he was like, "How do you grow when you're only taking thirty five percent?" And I'm like, "Look, man, it's tricky, but you just got to figure it out." I I don't know in your business. I had to figure it out in my business. And for a while there, like I, I, I had to go deliver pizzas in my buddy's business, which thankfully he paid me as a contractor because then I could stick with my "I'm never having a W two ever again" stance to myself. So I, so, I, but you know, then I was working for him and I would put in effort, but it's like, man. And then you know, Rich is like, man, you're working harder in his business and your business, and I'm like, well, he's not a hundred percent wrong here. Like, what, what am <laughs> yeah. I? Like, so then I had to transition, and then finally this season, I, I don't have to. I'm not working for him anymore, but him and I stayed friends and I, and you know, and I think it's, um, so I, you know, figuring it out, I think, you know, when you, when you, when you first become an entrepreneur and you first jump in and swim and dive into that pool and start swimming with the sharks, like it's, it's easy. Like, you know, the nice thing is about owning essentially, cause I, you know, back to like when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, it's like, I'm, I, I've, I'm in the S quadrant and I need to get over to that B quadrant. But there's not a lot of tools on how to do that. And I think that's what's great about your books is, you know, it's it's good. I mean, you're going to go from an E to an S for anybody that's not familiar with the cash flow quadrant. It's just an E. Employee, self-employed on one side and business owner, investor on the other side. So your money, you working for your money versus your money working for you. And um, and so I think, you know, I, I'm um, so I'm figuring I'm figuring it out. But at the same time, it's it's uh, you know what I was going to say is the disadvantage is I have the freedom to go up there tonight, but I don't have the freedom to stay up there for two days, and it's mm-hmm. like I, I have to strategically work my my calendar and my schedule because I don't want Rich to have to do my tasks. He does a ton already, and I do a ton already, and I need to be in a position to where I can give him a break. Um, and so I think, you know, because his tasks, I think, are a lot more are a lot more skilled based. It's harder to replace. So we need to focus more on how do we replace his skills and how do we. So I think, um, you know, so it's, it's all a balancing act. But to get back to my conversation with my friend, it, it's like he had said to me, you know, I think life balance is just a myth. And I'm like, oh, man, I totally disagree. I think it's something yeah. that you have to figure out for you. And I think that, and I 100% agree with everything you said. And I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that I know, even the guy who lives next to me, he owns a bunch of real estate, but he doesn't trust any contractors because he's had such bad luck. And so he just does everything himself because there aren't a lot of good contractors out there, but there are good ones still. But it's, you know, for me, networking groups are so important. And I think, you know, networking is so important so you can properly vet people to to plug into your business or to um to contract out different things so i think it's um i think there's just multiple layers of the onion and uh i'm sorry for for ranting on mike uh i hope i hope i had some nuggets there for you that i was just rambling <laughs> no it's, it's helpful because you know i think people listening in are, are hearing uh, the story of a real entrepreneur you're in this yeah and uh you know, one of the things you're pointing to, we call it the reverse golden handcuffs, is the idea in large corporate world is hire that person that's a great A player employee, handcuff them with these amazing benefits. long-term benefits yeah. that they got to stick around to get. But small businesses actually experience the reverse golden handcuffs where we make that strategic hire and Rich, he can run the whole show there. But the day he says, I'm not going to come in anymore, you're in trouble. So what does he do? He says, listen, I need to get paid more money. And we, we're now at the, at the will of him. We, you know, we say, well, I, I, can't, I can't live without him. I, our business would be devastated. I'll pay him more. And actually, the handcuffs are on us, the owner, to placate to, 
our employees. The, the way out of it is through systemization. Make the business the knowledge source. Make the business so systematized or so automated that if you or Rich leave or vice versa, you guys are out of there, the business can continue on and, and, and someone else can be inserted in the business. This is like the McDonald's model. Now, the thing is McDonald's does something real easy. They flip a hamburger, stick it around two buns of bread, and hand it out. They have very little uh, variability where other businesses, professional services and so forth, uh, what you're doing, far more variability. It can still be systematized. There's no question the more simple a process is, the less elements to it, the more it can be, uh, easily can be made efficient. But even more complex things can be made efficient by that capture process I told you about, by having someone do the process, but to capture it as it's done so it can then be followed along, kind of like a paint by numbers. Yeah. No, that, that, that's, and I think that's it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I think a hundred percent, I think, you know, the biggest struggle for us is, you know, there's not a lot of microgreens are kind of a new thing and there's not a lot of, a lot of the information on the internet's not that good. And then somebody starts getting a little bit of success and then they think they can have a course. And, um, and it's something I, I've kind of even seen in real estate. Like I've talked to some guys that have been successful for a while He's like, there's a lot of 30 to 40 year old experts who um, are trying to sell you on a monthly course, but aren't really doing that business anymore. Aren't never really did that business, and uh, and and so and I and I'm seeing that a lot in farming, and it's like, man, you know, I I was talking to, I was joking with Rich today, like we need to have a course, but just for the business, and then if if it's successful in our business then maybe we can turn around and sell it and offer it to other people. Like this is what we're doing that's successful and you can, you can pay this price for it. And then, we, then it's an extra income stream for the business. And so I think with that idea that that is going to also help us um, get out and, you know, make that more money and do less work. And so I think, um, you know, I, I, I uh, I'm excited, Mike, and in, in long story short, like I'm excited for the challenge of this because you know, when I first talked to you, and, and something you said earlier in the conversation too about our business growing with us, and like I'm a lot more confident to talk to you about this because it's like, okay, now I'm not just some guy that was good at sales who's trying to transition because he was just laid off and he's just been reading a bunch of books. Now I've actually, you know, now I actually have experience. And I was, and I had a lot of failed experiences before, but now I have successful experience. Like now I can pay my bills from my business. And so I, and it's a, it's a totally different feeling. It's, it's a totally different feeling to talk to you and say, Hey, thank you so much, Mike. Um, you have using your books has helped me not have to go back to corporate America. Like, yeah, sure. I'm not making as much money yet, but I'm making enough to where I, you know, I'm not comfortable by any means, but I'm not, you know, I'm not getting evicted from my house. I'm not, my, my lights aren't getting shut off. You know, I, I you know, I I have to be the toilet paper entrepreneur s- still, but that's okay. I get a lot yeah. of growth from that. Like it's it's good to make sacrifices. It's good to have hard conversations with yourself. Do I really need this? And and so and so I'm uh you know I, I'm just um, I'm I'm very grateful. I know we we got to wrap things up here soon. Um, yeah. So uh, but I just wanted to say how if people want to purchase this book, when does it come out and uh, how how can they get it? Can they listen to it on Audible like the rest of your books? And yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for asking and and let me share this. Um, so yeah, the book comes out August twenty first. Uh, so we're recording this on the thirteenth, so it's only a week and a day away. But August twenty first, twenty eighteen. Uh, it's called Clockwork. Design your business to run itself. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's at Barnes and Nobles. It's, it's at airport. You know, it's all over wherever you buy books. Um, Amazon usually has the best deal. And yes, it's on Audible. I love Audible. And what I do, and I did on this one, is um, I I shared stuff that was removed from the book. In the publishing process, you write a book, and uh, they have to cut it down to to fit the standard parameters. So some of the stories that I really liked, I, I had to get rid of them, but I added them back to Audible. I, so I, the Audible... It, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. So the I, has I, a lot I, of bonus material. I riff on there. I, I share some recent stories in there. Yeah. Um, I love your really, Audible books. I love when you read them. I like when you share your conversations, and I like in the 
Prophet first, the thing you said is, yeah, if you meet me, please don't come up and start crying because I'm going to start crying. And it's Oh, a total coke prior. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So you can check it out there. And then um, if you want to get the, um, there's a free download for, that's a compliment to the book. It's video training and stuff. Because, you know, you may read Clockwork, Drew, but you also may want Rich to to get involved in this process too of making your business Absolutely, run like Clockwork. yeah. So maybe you want me in the book or maybe I thought, uh, some videos and stuff that supplement the book is even easier to consume. So I set up a website called clockwork.life. So it's a dot L-I-F-E, clockwork.life. And on there, I have this basically get started kit. Like if you open an electronics uh, computer or something, there's that quick get started guide. I have the same thing for clockwork. If you go to clockwork.life, it's, it's free at any time. You can download it and uh, you can use it yourself and your team too. That's excellent, man. I appreciate you uh, putting in the hard work and blood, sweat, and tears for people like me, man. I know I, I plug you a ton at farmers markets. Thank you, brother. People say, you know, how do you, how are you growing, and what do you do? Because people get, I was so intimidating by accounting and bookkeeping, um, and I, I really had no system. I think I knew I, I the opposite of a lot of people in the e myth. Like I, I knew how to sell and I knew how to market. But I, I didn't know bookkeeping, and I wasn't the best at growing stuff. And so I, I, your book, Rich helped me with the growing stuff, and then you helped me with the accounting and, and feeling confident enough to to do that. And uh, if it's okay with you, I can actually share the link. So if people want to set up an Audible account, because I have all of your Audible books. I oh, that would be great. I did it before. So, yeah, so if they want to set up that new book, um, you get a free account, and you get the free first book. I used to try to do it as a as a affiliate, but it was just – it sucks so much for the. It sucks so much for listeners. It's like I don't. Yeah. I don't care about the money. I just want them to read the book or listen. Yeah, to yeah, the book. yeah, yeah. No, by all means, please do share that. It's um, and it comes out the same day as the print book, so you okay. can get get the Audible August twenty first. Also, excellent, excellent. Well, I'm going to try to get this out today. And uh, everybody, thanks again for listening. Definitely check out Mike's work. You guys hear me talk about it all the time, and most people I think that it even own businesses and listen think it doesn't apply to them but it your work applies to every scale correct thank you brother you know what i mean like you you were in a leather you have a leather manufacturing company and you've used that list so i think just because you have an older established business doesn't mean you can't slowly do it and switch over and i'm sure if you really wanted to you could consult with mike and mike can help you so guys thank you so much for listening mike thanks so much for joining it's been a joy thanks drew you're welcome